today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. It doesn't take an exegetical PhD student to realize that in this passage, the woman receives some directions that the man doesn't, and the man receives some directions that the woman doesn't. And in our culture, that's not okay. Everyone should get the same instruction, right? Instruct everybody equally. Now listen, the Bible is clear about two things. Men and women are absolutely equal in value in God's sight. And within marriage, men and women have different functions. And that's okay. Open God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. As Pastor Ricky continues his teaching through the book of First Peter, he'll be explaining how men and women are both equal in value but have different roles in the household. Men have been given the role of being the authority in the household, but are told to sacrifice themselves for their wife as Christ laid down his life for the church. The wife is called to submit to her husband as the church submits to Jesus. Both genders have perfectly equal value, but different roles in order for there to be perfect order in the household. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message entitled, A Counter-Cultural Marriage. Everyone is in need of a savior, but what Jesus does is he gives his robe to us. He goes to the cross, dies in our place so that we could wear the robe of his righteousness and his good works so that we stand in the presence of the king. We are seen not as dirty, but as spotless because of the righteousness of Jesus. And what Peter is saying is this, everyone, whether you're a man or a woman, a wife or a husband, a Jew or a Greek, a slave or a freed person, when God sees you in his presence, he rejoices because you're clothed in his righteousness. And friend, I want you to hear something. If you're here and you're not a Christian today, the way that you get to God is not by cleaning up your your robes or kind of spot clean so that they're acceptable to God, so you can start coming back to church, so you can get right with him and start praying again and all of that. The only way to get right with God is to say, listen, this is totally wrong. I can't stand in your presence and receive the gift of Jesus' robe and his righteousness. And you can do that today because God loves his children. He sees them as gloriously the same. And this applies specifically here to men and women. Um, There have been societies in in history where women have been looked down on and demeaned, and, and Jesus will have none of it. The Bible will have none of it. Peter will have none of it. He says, you are co heirs of the grace of life. You know, a few uh, weeks ago, my son Ford, uh, who's three, out of nowhere, uh, announces something. This is what he announced to us. Dada is strong and mama is pretty. I thought, and I looked at my wife like, did you tell him to say that? And she's like looking at me like, hey, he's your son. I don't know. And, I, and it's funny, in that moment, you get these moments as parents and you think, okay, how do I even respond to this? And so I did try to do two things in that moment. One is I tried to affirm, yeah, mom is pretty. And I'm glad you think dad is strong. Um, but one of the things that I did try to reinforce with him was this. And mama is strong too. 
Because, see, in his three-year-old mind, strong people are like the best people, right? So he may not have realized what he's saying is, my dad is really strong, and then my mom doesn't have that, but at least she has this other thing. And I tried to help him see, no, 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 buddy. Jesus loves mama and daddy the same. Your mama is strong too. I want him to grow up valuing women, especially his sisters in Christ, as co-heirs to the grace of life. Not the boys are up here, women are down here. That's what Peter is saying today. Now, there's a temptation for men, even in our more advanced, quote-unquote, society, we face the same temptation not to see women or wives as our equals. Husbands, let me ask you this. Do you ever roll your eyes at your wife? Do you ever get frustrated and impatient with an area of her life that she, she doesn't know how to manage the money right? She doesn't know how to keep the house up right. She doesn't know how to do this right. And so you find yourself short and impatient. This passage would call you to remember this. She is a co-heir with you of the grace of life that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to purchase her soul and she has a glorious inheritance waiting for her and she is loved as a daughter of the king. There's also a temptation for uh, women in this. This can happen in the opposite direction and in different ways. We have the trope in our culture of the clueless, good-for-nothing husband that just sits down, watches football, can't, can't balance a checkbook, can't do anything with the house. He's clueless. He's stupid. He walks in. The kids laugh. Is there any sense in which you've bought into some of that with your husband? Where you think, listen, I'm the one holding this family together. Do you ever gossip about how useless he is to your friends? Do you ever tell your kids that dad is stupid? Do you ever speak about your husband in an ugly way in front of your children? This should sober us. We are co-heirs. Co-heirs of the grace of life together. And third, in this point, um, God does see us as gloriously different. Now, it doesn't take an exegetical PhD student to realize that in this passage, the woman receives some directions that the man doesn't, and the man receives some directions that the woman doesn't. And in our culture, that's not okay. Everyone should get the same instruction, right? Instruct everybody equally. Now listen, the Bible is clear about two things. Men and women are absolutely equal in value in God's sight and Within marriage, men and women have different functions, and that's okay. See, in a way, my son Ford is picking up on something that is funny but different. It's that, okay, Dada does some things, and that's okay, and Mama does other things, and that's okay. And in, in the same way, kind of on a much deeper level, God in His glorious wisdom and providence has designed marriage so that men and women are not exactly fulfilling the same role. They're equal in His sight, but they have slightly different roles. Now, marriage starts with God as the designer of marriage. Now, God's goal, remember, who loves us, who called us before the foundation of the world, is not to demean anyone who doesn't have the same role as another person. Instead, God's goal with marriage, with differing roles, is to show forth more of his glory. That's why there are different roles. The man's role to lead in his marriage is, and to initiate in his marriage is not primarily because he's great, or because his wife is silly and needs help, but because God has designed it this way to reflect his glory. He leads for God. 
The woman's role to support her husband is not because she's a loser or her husband is a genius, but because God has designed something to reflect his glory. One theologian gives, gives us a picture that I, I just love. He says, okay, listen, the, the, the Trinity is glorious and we cannot understand it. It's Father, Son, and Spirit, all equal in value with differing functions. And he made us in his image. And when he made us in his image, he could have reflected something of his image with just one gender, right? Where we, we're all just the same gender and we, I guess we could grow each other out of little pods in the ground or something. I don't know. Um, that'd be weird. Um, sorry, that was a weird comment. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't know. I didn't do super well in biology, okay? I was an English major. We could have just had one gender. That'd be fine. It could have reflected some of God's image, but this is what the theologian says. God's image is so glorious that it is not broadcast in mono, but in stereo. See, I, I remember when we got a, a stereo system where we moved to my parents' house, we had like four speakers instead of just like one coming out of the TV. And you could like hear some things coming from over here and other things over And then like there's things behind you and you're like, whoa. There's like, it feels like it's everywhere. And in the same way, God has designed it so that men and women, husbands and wives, broadcast the image of God in slightly different ways that makes the image that's being broadcast more glorious. In Ephesians 5, we learn that, that marriage is ultimately, that's so important because marriage is a drama of the gospel. Men are to image Jesus who led by laying his life down and women are to image the church who follows Jesus. And in this way, what's being broadcast out of every marriage is in stereo, Jesus in the church, Jesus in the church, the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed again and again and again. So here, here's the point. When it comes to our roles as husbands and wives, the question is this, how do I best broadcast the glory of God? Wives, you may not like the idea of supporting your husband uh, as he leads your family spiritually. When he awkwardly kind of gets the Bible out and says, oh, okay, kids, we're gonna read the Bible. And you're rolling your eyes and thinking, oh my gosh, here we go. You may not like that. But the question is this, how can I best proclaim the glory of God in this moment to my kids? Is it by opposing him, standing apart from him, or coming alongside him, supporting him, so that that image is broadcast? Husbands, you, you might not like this responsibility falling on you. You might say, hey, listen, I didn't sign up for this. Getting judged for the way I relate to my wife, I did, nobody went over that in my marriage vows, okay? The question is, how can you best proclaim the glory of God? Now, very briefly, I want to get to a second point, which is this countercultural husbands. So that was the foundation, that was the starting point for marriage to be countercultural. And now let's move into countercultural husbands. What does this look like for husbands? Verse 7 says, simply live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Three brief points here. First, countercultural husbands know their wives. This phrase, live with your wives in an understanding way, really means live with your wives in a full knowledge of them. It doesn't just mean, this is what I thought initially, it doesn't just mean try to be understanding. It means understand them well and live according to that. Now, the bare minimum in this culture was probably not being a cruel husband, right? It was a pretty low bar. If you don't beat your wife, that's good. In the first century, 
God is calling Christian husbands in this congregation to much more. Glorifying God in relating to other people means that we treat them as more significant than ourselves, and this includes getting to know them, getting to know what they love and what they hate, what their fears are, what makes them laugh, how they can be encouraged best. And husbands are charged with this with their wives, to know them well so that they can love them well. You know, when Jen and I were dating, um, we we both realized we were terrible at talking on the phone. And this was a problem because we were dating long distance. She lived in Maryland and I lived here. And I thought, this is not good. So after like two awkward conversations, Jen said, okay, maybe you could like, I'm asking like, hey, well, what can I do better to make kind of our conversations better? She's like, I don't know. Maybe try to ask me questions or something. Because if you just keep asking me about my day again and again, like it feels weird. So I remember getting desperate. I'm not super good. I'm not smooth. And so I'm like writing down. I remember sitting down and writing down many questions that I could possibly ask her, right? I don't know. I imagine I'm like, okay, what was it like when you were a kid? What cereal did you like? What things were frightening to you? Like, I mean, I just, anything I could think of. Do you like cats or dogs? Do you like these movies or those movies? Do you, I mean, like anything that I could think of, because we, all we had was the phone, right? Until, unless we were on a trip going once or twice, um, every one, one or two months to be with one another. That's all we had. And what was awesome is we got to know each other really well. It forced us to sort of get to know one another really well. And, and I think it helped our first year of marriage tremendously. But I've been married for seven years now, and I realized something the other day. I don't feel the same urgency to know my wife as I did. And And recently, uh, I realized in a conversation with her, there was a whole area of our marriage and our life together that that I had just not ever really gotten into and initiated and had conversations about. And I realized I I don't know her at all in this area. And here's the, the reality. As you're married, your wife changes. You change. The things that she loves change. The things that she's afraid of change. Her relationship with God changes. Her relationship with her friends changes. She's a constantly changing person, which requires you husbands to live with her in an understanding way, meaning that you get to know her better every year. So do you know your wife? Do you know what's going on in her heart these days? Here's some categories. What's going on in her relationship with God? Is that dry? Is it good? Is it hard? Is it full of life? What are her current hopes? What are the things she hopes for and wishes for and dreams about? What are the things that she fears on a day-to-day basis, on a big global basis? What are the things that, that she has to fight to trust God for? How does she want to be romanced and loved in this season of her life? It may not be the same. Guys, sometimes, I mean, I, 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 I say this for myself as well. You know, this, the, the bag of tricks that you brought into your marriage of like, oh, yeah, these are great romance ideas. You ran out of those like five years ago, you know. Like, <laughs> how does she want to be romance in love? What's a blessing to her? And I want to encourage you as husbands to not just, not just think of this as like a one-time thing. I want you to think in two categories. Think of what you can do all the time and think of what you can do at specific times. I think you need an all-the-time orientation to get to know her 
better all the time, but you need specific time. You need time, especially if you have kids, you need times where you, you're able to like pull away from the kids. Uh, it, and it could be date night. We, we, Jen and I knew one couple that they had a big piece of property out in uh, kind of in the Midwest. And what they would do that was romantic to them is they would leave all the kids in the house under the charge of the, the suspect older children where they could kind of like still, they were still within like earshot if something was terrible and they would walk their property. They'd like walk down to the end of the driveway and hang out um, and have a coffee or something and just kind of walk and talk about their day. And that was their, their time. You need a time. And then husbands, once you know her, love her as Christ loved the church in light of this. And I want to just one kind of, kind of throwaway comment to the single guys here. Single guys, our culture is training us to be terrible at this. Um, our culture is so sexually broken that sex has replaced real relationship or porn has replaced real relationships. And we've lost the skill, listen, of getting to know people. And it trains you to think of women as objects with one kind of bandwidth for your relationship with them when God has created it to be many bandwidths. And you need to get out of that mindset. You need to, listen, it starts with getting to know just people around you. You getting out of yourself, asking people, not even just girls, who they are, what they care about, how they're doing. Get out of yourself. It's going to serve your marriage. Get to know people. Second, husbands that honor their wives. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, as soon as I say this, all of the girls are going to challenge me to arm wrestle after the service or send me CrossFit videos of like, like their routine or whatever. Please don't do that. My wife can beat all of you arm wrestling. Just kidding. I think she probably could. I think she's got a decent chance. Um, now, remember the context here though, okay? <laughs> remember the context. In the first century... Men would gravitate, listen, in their upbringing, in their orientation, in their society, towards strength and martial arts and all that stuff and fighting. I mean, this is a brutal culture. And guys had to be strong or they didn't make it. So the, the men you ended up with were pretty strong, pretty tough, pretty rough guys. And add to that, in general, um, women were pushed away from those things toward domestic things, not not encouraged to be strong or tough or courageous. And add to that, that in general, all things being equal, men often just kind of peace for peace or whatever, like are often in most cultures physically stronger. I qualified that a bunch, but come on. Um, so you get a culture where it would be very easy for men to physically abuse their wives or threaten or imply it, or be domineering. And the excuse would be that the woman was weaker so that they could get away with it. No one's going to question what they do in their house. Certainly not society and certainly not their wife. Peter takes the opposite view. He says, in view of the fact that physically women are often weaker and susceptible to abuse, that should be all the more reason to treat them with special honor. This, this word vessel can be translated in different ways, but in Acts 9.15, it's translated as instrument. He says, it's helpful to think of, Todd gave me this illustration this week, it's helpful to think of women, as a, of your wife, as a fine instrument that you must exercise more care with 
because you treasure it more, that is more finely tuned, that is more exquisite, that is more, uh, it's more beautiful and more precious and more fragile than you think. You know, recently, a few months ago, Jen and I had a conflict where I said something harsh and in the middle of the conflict, and we resolved the conflict, and you know, we forgave each other, and I for, she forgave me, and, and, you know, an hour later or something, I said, you know, babe, you still seem a little distant. Are you okay? And I was kind of thinking, you know, she should just, like, bounce back. I apologize, right? I mean, come on. I said, oh, sorry. Like, what, what's the deal? And, and she said something that, that, was, that was helpful for me. She said, I forgive you, but it still hurts. See, in a moment, I, I damaged something precious that wasn't going to get it fixed like that. It wasn't going to snap back like that. I couldn't pull out a roll of duct tape for that. Husbands, do you treat your wife, especially, listen, especially in areas of her weakness, with extra care and extra honor? Does she have weaknesses that frustrate you or does she get emotional sometimes for no reason that you can think of? This is the reality. God has handed you an exquisite crafted instrument and it doesn't help when you bang it against the wall and ask why it's not working. I, I can't spend enough time today on this word honor, but, but, but you have to understand this. Men and women are wired honor, um, wired differently in terms of honor. Men are often wired much more to think, listen, I'm paying the bills and I'm putting a roof over your head and I've got food in the fridge. Why are you still pestering me? And listen, those things help your wife. I'm sure they serve her, but that's not enough. Your wife wants to be valued. Your wife wants to be appreciated. She wants to feel as if she matters to you personally. So are you, are you showing extra honor to her, especially in areas of her weakness? And last and very, very briefly, last, husbands that are subject. This is a point that's not on the slide, but I'm just adding this here at the end. Husbands that are subject. Now, you might think, okay, wait, the wife is the person that's supposed to be subject to your own husband, right? Well, I would argue that this is implied here and implied throughout the whole New Testament. Husbands are subject to God. They are subject to God-given authorities and to God himself. Friend, if you're a husband, you are not autonomous. How you treat your wife will be judged by God. And it will be judged by God on that day when you stand before him and it'll be judged during your life. You may receive discipline. Your prayers may be hindered for the way you treat his daughter. And so in light of all of this, we must strive to get to know our wives, strive to give extra honor to our wives, but we must do it aware that we are under authority that we are subject to somebody who is over us, who calls the shots over our lives. That is his daughter that you're dealing with. And it must sober us. She is a co-heir with Jesus. The way that we relate to her matters tremendously. And that's what it looks like to build a counter-cultural marriage. Hope in God, oh my soul. He is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Hope is something that many people have little of, and yet we clamor for the latest this or that, believing that our longing for hope will be fulfilled. 
Pastor Ricky will be teaching through the book of 1 Peter here on Better News Radio. We'll learn that hope is something that is beyond this world and that our lives will become holy once we hope in the eternal. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. That's betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio. Better News Radio.